Playoffs? Talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Yeah, come on. I just hope we can win a game. Come on. Dropping stats over beats is the fantasy freestyle. Always coming with the heat. Yo, it's the fantasy freestyle. We got strong takes and tips. It's the fantasy freestyle. You win championships at the fantasy freestyle. Dropping stats over beats is the fantasy freestyle. Always coming with the heat. It's the fantasy freestyle. We got strong takes and tips at the fantasy freestyle. You win championships you win with that fantasy freestyle. freestyle. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Yeah, 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 you know what it is. Back in the place to be, as always, dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle. We got rocks and speeds in the place to be. We had that wild card weekend. Hopefully, you got the wild card, didn't get a joker. Won your league and won that cash. We are advancing to the divisional weekend. And rocks, I always think this is the best weekend in football. You still get four games. But you get the best four teams in football, the ones and two seeds, joining the party. Join the party with us here, Rock. Yeah, man, I agree with you. And I think that uh, it's also just great because it's one of only two weekends where we do get those four games uh, with no other competition. It's really great to have two on Saturday and then two on Sunday. And honestly, I'm really looking forward to this week's slate after what was, for me, a mild card weekend. I was not really feeling, yeah, hashtag mild card. Uh, I was not really feeling a lot of the football that uh, that we witnessed last week and uh last weekend you and i were actually together for the uh for the saturday game yep. i found myself uh, absorbed in the tasting notes on my barrel aged stouts more than i did what the uh, oakland raiders were doing with their third string quarterback and what uh brock osweiler and the anemic houston running game was pulling off so i'm hoping we can see a little more fireworks coming up in this which i agree with you best weekend in sports I agree with you, I agree with you. The Sunday games might have been a little bit better. The Giants and the Packers gave you a game in the first half at least. I would say the Giants defense actually played amazing for about, what, 26, 27 minutes? Um, and then, you know, obviously, MVP candidate Aaron Rodgers got going. He did big things last week. Uh, you know, 360-some-odd yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Let's, uh... Let's let's look into these uh, divisional games. We're going to give you our game-by-game -game breakdown along with some DFS loads a little bit later on. We're also, as usual, going to give you our diamonds, our full daisies, our game flow geniuses. We're doing a season-long kind of awards. We're going to look at the tight end position a little bit later on. But I want to start off, Rocks, looking at some of these injuries coming out of Wild Card Weekend, seeing if uh, any of these teams are going to get affected. Obviously, I want to talk about this. Did you see Big Ben in a walking boot after the game? They're saying, they're saying you know, he shed his walking boot. He's obviously going to be good to go. But here's my question. They were up big in that game, and big enough that they thought they could pull Le'Veon Bell. But they left Big Ben in there, and they left him throwing. I think that's a little bit of a risk to leave your franchise quarterback after you've already kind of pulled the starters to other levels and wave kind of the white flag that you're going to park the bus. Uh, it almost came back to bite him. How do you think, uh, what do you think about what Tomlin did there? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I also think, though, that it's big, everyone knows that Big Ben is tough. Everybody knows that Big Ben has been a warrior. He's taken a ton of punishment at the quarterback position, and he's another one of those guys that doesn't always get all those ticky-tack calls, but he does kind of have a propensity for milking stuff a little bit, and I wonder if it's just maybe him creating a little bit of drama, adding to his aura, you know, in a situation where maybe he wasn't that bad. But if it was something that he really, 
you know, that the training staff was aware of on the sidelines. And he said, I'm feeling a little bit gimpy. There's no reason at all for him to have gone back out there. It kind of reminds me of a, a similar situation, albeit much less of a marquee player, with Ty Montgomery right. in, uh, in Green Bay coming back in for a goal line series after missing almost the entire second half. And at that point, Green Bay had the game well in hand. And when he was asked about it, he was like, it's the playoffs. And I understand that, but there's a difference between a playoff game, uh, you know, one score game or a tie game and a playoff game where your team's basically just salting the clock and you can use my boy Rapowski to do that sort of stuff. Uh, I didn't think that was that was very smart uh, on the Green Bay side, particularly after they lost Jordy Nelson, which was the big blow earlier in the game. True, and they're certainly going to need Ty Montgomery this Sunday. The Dallas Cowboys actually right now have the number one run defense in all of football, giving up only 83 and a half yards a game, so they clearly need any running back they can. Speaking of running backs, Spencer Ware, he returned to practice middle of the week. He was battling a rib issue. Sounds like he should be good to go when the Chiefs take on the Steelers. Someone whose ribs are not okay, though, is Jordy Nelson. What a shot he took in a weekend where there are a couple of big-time shots. Jordy Nelson got a big shot. Uh, they say he probably broke at least two ribs. They were concerned at first about internal injuries. Doesn't look like he's going to wind up suiting up in this game. That could mean more for Randall Cobb, more for Devontae Adams, even more for the tight end Jared Cook. What do you think? Who do you think is the big beneficiary of uh, Jordy Nelson likely missing this divisional round game, Rob? I think it's got to be the Dallas secondary. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. They've, uh, th that's one less thing to worry about. When Aaron Rodgers is slinging it like this, though, he's basically been running the offense uh, as a next man up. You saw it with Randall Cobb out, but uh, Jordy Nelson is a lot more important to this offense than Randall Cobb. I really like Geronimo as a potential plug-and-play. Although you saw he got threat. popped for that marijuana this week. He got he did, popped for he that marijuana. I think that was earlier in the season. Green Bay has been aware of that. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to really affect anything right now. The NFL disciplinary process will play itself out. I do think, though, that, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting that you're going to see a lot of people in DFS this week chasing the points with Randall Cobb. I sure. think uh, it's a little more Devontae Adams week. You know, I think he's a great, much better chance for a touchdown. And I also do think I love the Jared Cook play. He's kind of been the uh, the straw that stirs the drink in that Green Bay offense down the stretch. I think he's going to see some more looks. Jared Cook, a.k.a. Reggie Jackson, according to Rocks. Jared Cook at 5,400 on FanDuel. We'll talk about him a little bit later on as we go game by game. A couple more injuries real quick that will affect playoff teams that I want to talk about, Rocks. Uh, we have been on this guy all season long. Unfortunately, though, Ladarius Green is still in the concussion protocol. He was practicing last week, then had a setback. You hate to see that with guys who have had multiple concussions in their career. Doesn't look like he'll be there to be that security blanket for Big Ben. The other name I want to uh, mention, and this is a name, don't forget about this guy. This guy looked special for a couple of weeks, but then uh, had a broken shoulder. They are saying that CJ Procise might get cleared for contact and practice still this week. Someone to keep an eye on. The Atlanta Falcons do not cover pass catching backs well. CJ Procise could be a huge weapon for the Seattle Seahawks in this game down in Atlanta. But I want to ask you, Rocks, Thomas Rawls probably won people their weeks going off for 161 yards and a touchdown at value. I have been fading Thomas Rawls, saying that that run game was a problem because he did not look good. He did look very good against Detroit last week, but 
if CJ ProSize was able to come back, do you get him involved or do you kind of ride the Rawls train for now? Uh, you know, I, I think Seattle is really going to take what Atlanta gives them. I also think that it's really going to be Atlanta's offensive success that dictates this game. I would think if ProSize is active, they're going to work him in. You know, he's also someone who's a rookie. He was injured to start the season. Rawls finally got a hot hand. And you heard Pete Carroll say going into that game last week, he wanted Rawls to touch the ball 20 times. I can't think that that's going to necessarily change too much with the return of CJ ProSize. I will say, though, to your point, he does give them another explosive option if he is healthy in the middle of the field. I think he opens up a little bit of stuff maybe for Jimmy Graham, creates a little bit of confusion there, and really the Seattle offense was functioning at their best when he was healthy for that middle part of the season. One other guy I want to shout out uh, coming back from injury, it's looking like the Chiefs are going to have Justin Houston in this game. That defense is going to be at full strength in Arrowhead. That's going to be rocking. It's going to be a true test for that Pittsburgh Steelers offense, and I agree with you. Big Ben is going to be missing Ladarius Green when they're really going to need all hands on deck in what I think is going to be a tough, tough game. Absolutely, Rox. And we'll dive into the four divisional matchups a little bit later in our next segment. So here at the top with our headlines, I want to move on to some coaching news that we have. You know, we talked about all the different opportunities, the candidates and the jobs that were out there last weekend. And since then, two of them have gone down. The Bills have hired Sean McDermott as their new head coach. And I'm going to tell you, you don't get someone who is more of a polar opposite from Rex Ryan than this guy. This guy is not going to bring any flash, any flair. He's going to, you know, get everyone to just do their job. He also, in my opinion, is going to be switching the Buffalo Bills to a 4-3 front. That should be very, very interesting there. The question I have for uh, Sean McDermott is what do you like Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback? Interesting to see Sean McDermott to the Bills. The other news that came down uh, as we record this podcast on Wednesday, the Broncos have hired Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator Vance Joseph as their head coach. And I want to get into this one with you a little bit, Rock, because I know you're big on those quarterbacks out there in Denver. I thought that the Broncos were going to go with an offensive guy as their head coach. Not a We talked about guy. Shanahan. Yeah, we talked about Kyle Shanahan. We talked about maybe having one of those quarterback whisperers out there. Instead, I even brought up Josh McDaniel. They instead, you sure did for a second go around. Instead, they go defense. And so I question this if you want to know the truth. Why do you think, why would they need a defensive guy? They already clearly have the defense humming the way they want. It does not look like Vance Joseph would retain Wade Phillips as he's DC. That means some change for an offense, uh, for a defense that over the last few years has been among the best in football. And then on the offensive side, do you really think it's going to be Vance Joseph that's developing, whether it be Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon? Uh, I'm hearing both of these guys, whether it be McDermott in Buffalo or Joseph in Denver, that they both want Mike McCoy, former Chargers head coach, as the offensive coordinator. What do you think? You think the Broncos were right to go defense for their new head coach? Well, I I think that Vance Joseph is a guy that's been talked up for a while. What I will say, though, is I think that they've already, it's not official yet, but where there's smoke, there's fire. It seems like the Broncos have been able to nail Mike McCoy uh, to get him on staff as the OC. And I think if that is what needed to happen by bringing in someone as a head coach who is willing to say, I know one side of the ball, I don't want to be terribly involved in the offensive side of things, uh, coming from Gary Kubiak, who obviously was more of an offensive mind, and let Wade Phillips basically handle the defense. Um, you know, I wonder 
what is going to happen, though, with those young quarterbacks, as you said. To me, bringing in Mike McCoy is a strong, strong indicator that the Trevor Simeon error was a stopgap error, and they're going to see what he can do with Paxton Lynch, because he is one of those guys, as you said, who has a reputation as being a guy who can get the most out of his quarterbacks. Paxton Lynch has got all the athletic tools. He's a little bit raw. Simeon, more of a game manager that you're going to let those defense win those games be more of a running team with Gary Kubiak out of town. I think you're going to see a lot more balance, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got those perimeter wide receivers more involved than they were this year. Okay, so you think this boom is a boom for maybe guys like DT and Manny Sanders on the outside. We'll see what Mike McCoy can do with those young quarterbacks down there in Denver. Mike McCoy is not in San Diego anymore. The question remains, will the Chargers be in San Diego rocks. I know you wanted to talk a little bit of relocation from teams out there on the West Coast. Some news about uh, maybe allowing the Raiders to go into the desert and seeing what the Chargers ultimately do. What do you got for us, Rox? Yeah, the the way that it was uh, the way that it was it was described. The headlines I was reading was that the NFL thought that San Diego was salvageable. You know, anyone I know from San Diego tells me it's basically sunny and seventy-one. That sounds better than salvageable. Yeah, that sounds more than salvageable to me, man. That seems aspirational uh, in this cold New York winter. But it's looking like they think that they can make it work for a couple more years. Obviously, there was a lot of talk of San Diego going up north, joining the L.A. Rams, possibly in that stadium, creating a little competition in New York's, I guess, uh, in the United States. I guess it would be the third city if Chicago's trying to play that number two game. But uh, it's looking like they're going to stay in San Diego for the time being. However, it seems like like there is a little bit of traction, a lot of traction, traction, dare I say, in this Oakland Raiders becoming the first professional sports team in Las Vegas. Yep, yep, that is possible. I will say this. That means, Rox, you do not consider the National Hockey League a professional sports league because we are hearing that that, that Las Vegas hockey team in the NHL is going to start action next year. They, uh, they got their name, however. Uh, they're still up on the name. They were going to be the Black Knights. That got uh that got nixed because of a college team, but there will be hockey in the desert starting next year. I think it will be very very interesting though. Any kind of football Sundays out there when the Vegas home team is in play, that will definitely be very very interesting. Yo, rocks. When we come back, what we need to do is dive into these divisional matchups. You think uh you think you can go four for four picking these games? I think I can. All right, let's see, because if you know, I don't know, Rox, if you listen to Shot Callers, but on Shot Callers, you got Speeds versus the Kids. So in Wild Card Weekend, Speeds went 3-1 and one picking the games, but he wasn't alone. There was Holden, the 5-year-old, that also went 3-1. and one. Uh, We'll see if Speeds can keep his picks ahead of the kids there. But when we come back, Rox and Speeds will drop stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You like that? You like that? Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. Welcome back. We are dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle. You're in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Rocks and speeds. Giving you everything you need to win your league and win that cash. You should just straight up. You could listen live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network here on Saturday. But um, also, if you want to get it early, you just need to subscribe on iTunes. This way, like any good championship caliber lineup, you set it, you forget it, and Rocks and Speeds will hold you down. If you are on iTunes also, you know, um... 
rate us, review us. It helps us move up in the app store so that uh, more people can listen to us and more people get all that good stuff that we drop stats over beats on the Fantasy Freestyle Rocks. Uh, you ready to head into these divisional games, man? How do you see this first one going? Uh, you know, I, I, you're talking about the Georgia Dome. We've yeah, got man. the Atlanta Falcons and the Seattle Seahawks uh, traveling to Atlanta, going across the country to the dirty, 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 dirty south. Um, you know, I think this is one of the more interesting games this weekend, if not for me, the most interesting game, because I really want to see if Seattle is able to show up on the road. I don't really believe in Atlanta as much as a lot of people do. I would love to have seen this game if Earl Thomas was healthy. I feel like Seattle probably feels the same exact way that I do, because this is going to be a strength of the Atlanta Falcons, that downfield passing against something that Seattle, the vaunted Legion of Boom, had had a lot of trouble dealing with since Earl Thomas has been out for the season. So I'm really curious to see if Matt Ryan is able to be up to the task, step up in the playoffs, and get it downfield to Julio. On the other side of the ball, from a passing perspective, I like Doug Baldwin in this one. I know you've been high on Doug Baldwin in this playoffs. He was really hampered early in the season when these two teams met by Desmond Trufant. Well, guess what? Desmond Trufant is out for the season. That's not doing Atlanta's secondary any favors. And I think if Atlanta's offense is able to turn this into a shootout, you could see Doug Baldwin pop, pop off. And as such, at 7,900, he's a pretty attractive target in DFS on the fan duel this week. What no do you doubt. got going on in this game? No doubt, Rocks. You know I've been on Dougie Baldwin for a while. Teach me how to Dougie. Teach me. Teach me how to Dougie. He had 11 catches for 104 yards and a touchdown in wildcard weekend. Remember, this coming off a year where he finished as wide receiver 8 overall, 94 grabs, 1,128 yards, and 7 touchdowns. You talk about how you'd really like to see this game. Well, we did see this game before. In fact, all four divisional round matchups are rematches of games earlier in the season, okay? This week, in this game, in week six, Atlanta was in Seattle, and remember, that was a big-time game. The uh, Seattle Seahawks won that game 26-24, to but you may remember this game because there was a huge no-call on a pass interference deep down the field to Julio Jones at the very end of the game. A lot of people thought that even inspired the conversation of if uh, pass interference should be reviewable, if you remember that earlier on in the season. They played to a 26-24 game back in week six, and that was in Seattle. This one is in Atlanta. I think, as you mentioned, Rox, that has a huge difference for the Seattle Seahawks to be without their 12th man. And here's the other thing you mentioned. No Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas was patrolling the back end in that game. He will not be this game. Who do I think that benefits? Somebody that you were on a little bit earlier on in the season, Rocks. I think this benefits Taylor Gabriel. I think that is a very interesting low money play in this week in DFS. Tyler Gabriel for only 5500 and here's the rationale. I think uh, Seattle is going to break tendencies and Richard Sherman may in fact shadow Julio Jones around, you know, put your best on their best, right? Then otherwise, where you used to have Earl Thomas in the back, Tyler Gabriel is their deep threat. He's the guy who can blow off and go for 60 yards on a bubble screen or go over the top. I remember you were talking about him, Rocks, with those like next-gen stats about how fast he ran. I could see Matty Ice going over the top to Taylor Gabriel in this game. The other thing I'll tell you about don't look now, but this Atlanta defense is not that bad, okay? This Atlanta defense is only 
4,300 on FanDuel, and I don't think that Thomas Rawls is going to be able to do it again with this run game. I think they might stop him off, stop him up. And don't forget about second-year player out of uh, the college national champions, Vic Beasley out of Clemson. Vic Beasley led the league with 15 and a half sacks. I think he gets another one or two against Russell Wilson, and those teams are points. You said you're not that high on the Falcons, Rocks. I actually am. I think the Falcons will not only win this game, I think they'll cover the four-and-a-half-point spread. This number one offense putting up 33 and a half points a game and yes I know the Legion of Boom and that Seattle defense is great but they have been giving up eight more points a game since the Earl Thomas injury they've been giving up 24 points a game at the end of the season I think at home Matty Ryan proves that he is in fact an MVP candidate that he is not falling off a cliff like we thought he would in the middle of the season I like Atlanta I'll lay the points in this one and apparently so will the public the public is on this point spread 59% are betting with Atlanta at home laying four and a half points uh we'll see what happens I actually think Atlanta is a quiet team to get all the way to Super Bowl 50 yo speed speeds I know we don't normally do this you know we don't we don't normally do things for those uh in states and municipalities where it's legal to uh, to do it traditional but uh I'll, I'll I'll take that gentleman's bet. Uh, you know, I'll take uh, I'll take Seattle, and uh, I'm gonna say Atlanta's not gonna cover. Sure. Oh, you want you want me to give you the four and a half points, though, huh? You just said you would uh, you said you were taking them. You're laying the points. All right, sure. That's a gentleman's bet here on the fantasy freestyle rocks and speeds. I'm riding with the Atlanta Falcons and their number one offense at home. I think Seattle is fugazi on the road, but you like the Seahawks even away from uh, the Pacific Northwest. I do. I, I, I don't believe it's a vote of no confidence in Matt Ryan. Uh, let him prove me wrong. That is a gentleman's bet. Yo, don't get me wrong. Matty Ryan at 8,300. I think that's a viable play as well. Let's keep it moving, though. Next game, there may not be much to discuss. The Houston Texans go to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. The Patriots are currently 16-point favorites. Wow. Over under 44 and a half. I don't know when we've seen a line that big in the playoffs. But remember, this is also a rematch, Rocks. Uh, yeah, in, man. In week three, Houston went to New England and got slaughtered. 27 to nothing. That was Jacoby Brissett. Now Tom Brady is in there. Also in week three, the Texans had a defensive lineman named J.J. Watt still on the field. That is not the case. But boy, Jadavion Clowney trying to make up the difference, huh, Rocks? Yeah, it's nice to see him finally paying off a guy who, uh, you know, faced a lot of criticism, took his last year before he was drafted, essentially off in college, then got off to a bit of a slow start in the NFL. But he has really come on strong this year, made his first pro bowl and was playing like a man possessed. However, I do not think Jadavion Clowney and the Houston Texans defense, which has been toughening up and stiffening, particularly against the run lately, is going to be able to stop Tom Brady at all. However, in this game, I do think that the plays are the inside guys, and that's going to be Julian Edelman, who to me is extremely affordable. I get paid to mention Julian Edelman. At only 7000 highest floor at the position to me basically and that's what you're going for particularly in these cash games i also really like for 5400 Dion lewis yeah man Dion lewis in this game i think Dion lewis is a really really low priced option the, the pats have proven that they're able to move the ball with him when they want to and i think that they've been holding him out in hopes of unleashing him 
in the playoffs. And you've seen James White be phased out. You've seen LeGarrette Blunt basically be salting the game in the second half. But Deion Lewis is being sprinkled in, and I think you're going to see a lot of him. As you know also, all season long we've said when the Pats are at home, favored by a big number, LeGarrette Blunt is going to be that hammer and battering ram in the second half of the games. I don't really love him at 7,300. However, he is certainly very, very viable and a great bet for a touchdown. I just don't think the huge yardage totals that have popped up a number of times this year are going to be there against the Texans defense. No doubt. I was going to mention that I continue to uh, advocate for LGBT rights by uh, going with my man LeGarrette past the blunt. He is only 7,300. My man is averaging over a touchdown a game this year. Finished with 18 rushing touchdowns and over 1,100 yards. My man can still not get a Pro Bowl nod. I think ultimately, though, he might. Um, so let me ask you this, though. You talk about uh, LGBT. You also talk about Deion Lewis. Can you see a universe where you put both Patriots running backs in your DFS lineup? No, no, I can't. I, I uh, you know, I, it's not, you know, it, hey, I think that the Patriots could basically unleash a world of hurt on right. this Houston Texans team that's probably just happy to be here. But um, I would definitely, and we'll get into it when we, when we go into the rest of the games, I would like one of those stud guys yeah. uh, anchoring anchoring my roster this week, particularly in cash games. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it could be one of those also angry Brady games where, sure. you know, he he's just going over the top. I don't think so. Houston's got great guys on the boundary um, with your boy Boyer and... And uh, Jonathan Joseph, uh, I think that they're going to lock down the outside. But, you know, anything can happen. And I would say, though, that Brady himself is an interesting play at 8,600. However, with Gronk out, he has not shown the usual very, very high floor that he has when he's in the lineup. So I would be cautious there, particularly if they pull up, pull like a Steelers did with Big Ben last week and get out to a huge, huge lead, in which case you will see LeGarrette Blunt hammering it earlier. For sure. I actually, you know, I've been fading you and your boy, Julian. Edelman for most of the year. I do think though he has come on lately. Listen, since the Patriots buy, okay, he has had 11 or more targets in six of those eight games. He has had seven catches or more in six of those eight games. He went eight for catches for 151 yards and a touchdown in their last game. I'll tell you, I don't mind that. One other player that is in this game, Rocks, and I know you have been talking about this guy a lot. It is the Houston Texans running back, Lamar Miller. Do you like Lamar Miller at 7,000? Like, listen, I don't know what the game flow is going to be like. Maybe Brock is going to have to throw. But I think if healthy, Lamar Miller is in there. And if there's any, you know, in the first half as they try to keep it close, Lamar Miller could be a good bet for a touchdown. He had 73 yards and a touchdown in the wild card matchup. You see any value in Lamar Miller at 7,000? Ah, you know, it's really tough to see. It took him 31 carries to get those aforementioned 73 yards. He wasn't very involved in the passing game. Uh, New England is actually pretty vulnerable to pass-catching backs. However, Brock Osweiler has shown, as a Lamar Miller owner, a maddening inability to see the dump off, to see the screen pass, and execute it before it becomes covered. Instead, he'd like to throw those little dump offs in the middle of his field, uh, in the field to his tight ends, Ryan Griffin and C.J. Fedorowicz. Fedorkowicz? Fedor? Hey. 
Um, you know, I don't really, I don't really see it. I mean, the only thing I could see is late in the game, if Houston's really just given up on Brock Eisweiler completely, maybe they'll just run him against, uh, you know, against those soft fronts while they're playing a prevent, let him pick up some cheap 10 and 15 yard gains uh, in the second half as the Patriots have a five to six touchdown lead. Other than that, I really see a hard time paying for him as a mid-range running back when for a couple, a uh, couple, couple bucks more, you could spend up for the real top guys at the position who have a much, much, much higher floor. Sure, and don't, don't get it twisted. Brock Osweiler was the second-best quarterback last week. Remember, though, Tom Savage has cleared the concussion protocol. So if things are not going well, remember, they have pulled the hook on Osweiler before. Maybe they see it again. I I stay away from this 16-point number. I'd pass uh, on this game if you had to put a little bit of shekels on it. Let's look to Sunday, Rocks. For the first game, Pittsburgh Steelers, they go to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Now, this is also a rematch in Week 4 at Pittsburgh, the Steelers dump trucked the Kansas City Chiefs 43 to 14. Here's the difference though. That was in Pittsburgh. Big Ben is a completely different quarterback. The Steelers are a completely different offense on the road, and that's where they will be against a very strong defense. You mentioned before Justin Houston back in the lineup, it looks like, this week, the bye week, serving Kansas City well. Um, I mean, you have absolute studs here uh, on the Pittsburgh side to talk about. Rocks, you know, I know you mentioned that uh, you're saving some money for one of these studs. Are you talking about Lev Bell or are you talking about our boy down in Dallas? What do you think? Lev Bell repeat performance uh, in Kansas City? I'm, I'm fading him this week. Okay. Even though he went nuts when these teams played the first time. Remember, this is actually his first game coming back from suspension. Uh, and people were interested in seeing how it shook out after D'Angelo Williams, again, filled in very, very admirably. And uh, Le'Veon Bell hit the ground running, no pun intended. Ripping off chunk games, looking as explosive as ever. However, with him, one of the things I always worry about, particularly on the road, is that while he picks up huge yardage totals, while he's often involved in the passing game, he does doesn't always have a nose for the goal because Pittsburgh does be scoring these really, really long touchdowns. You see guys like Darius Hayward Bay and Eli Rogers and right. Antonio Brown, not once but twice for 50 plus yards. It's sometimes hard for him to get a little cheap five yard touchdown. Um, so I'm worried about that. I also, I don't know, man. I'm, I've seen the Pittsburgh passing game stall and them you know, basically only be able to move the ball with Le'Veon Bell and not really get in positions where they're able to score when they're on the road. You hit the nail on the head. I'm fading Pittsburgh. I'm fading Big Ben. I'm fading Antonio Brown in this one. You know, uh, the price to me is just a little bit too much. And I think I've seen it too many times on the road. This Kansas City team is on the rise. They're not going to get any cheap turnovers from Alex Smith. Lowest interception rate of any quarterback in playoff history. And hopefully your boy Spencer Ware will be holding on to the ball so no fumbles there i think pittsburgh is gonna have to earn it and i'm not sure that they're gonna be able to all right let's look at this kansas city side real quick rocks you know listen kansas city goes 12 and 4 they get the bye have won something like 22 of their last 26 regular season games but it is now the playoffs you know here's where i want to go with this rocks alex smith you know they've been saying for years as a game manager i'm calling him an elite game manager which sounds like an oxymoron but check this out don't look now but the Kansas City Chiefs are scoring points, okay? They won five of their last six games scoring 30, 29, 21, 33, and 37 points. A team, you know, you don't think of the Chiefs as a high-powered offense, but they are doing pretty good. Two guys I want to highlight, you know, if you go to our Football Outsiders, they have those DVOA rankings, and a lot of people look at that for offense and defense. 
I gotta tell you though, the number one special teams in the NFL are these Kansas City Chiefs. And in a game which I think is gonna be pretty close, special teams can be a big difference. So you know where I'm going with this, my man Rocks. My man Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill on the Kansas City Chiefs is 6,600. I don't necessarily think that he's going to have a ton of production as a wide receiver, but you're liable to get three carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. You're liable to get a punt return for a touchdown or a kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, in tournaments, I don't think a lot of people are going to be picking him because you got some other options. Tyreek Hill could be an option, but my question for you, Rocks, I know you've loved uh, baby Gronk, Travis Kelsey. He is by far the most expensive tight end this week, you know, at 7,100. You got Jimmy Graham right under that, and then a big drop to the 5,000. Are you paying up for Travis Kelsey as the highest tight end on the board? You know, I'm, I'm still I'm still going a little different places with my lineups right now, trying to nail things down, but I haven't, find, I haven't found myself really picking him, though I will have to say speeds. Travis Kelsey, uh, number one overall tight end this year, has been a huge part of the reason the Chiefs have been putting up those big numbers down the stretch. Alex Smith is finally learning to trust him and, dare I say, throwing up a couple of contested balls and letting his big boy tight end make plays in the middle of the field, running angry and ripping off chunk games. That said, I don't think you're going to see too many chances taken in this one. I do want to talk about Tyreek Hill real quick. Tyreek, shine city on a hill has Ooh. been destroying it lately an interesting play here if as i am you are fading the kansas city chiefs uh, i'm sorry if you're fading the pittsburgh offense you can pair tyreek hill with the kansas city defense and double up if he does something big in the return game which i don't think is that crazy of a strategy in tournaments and if pittsburgh falls flat and he happens to house one and he's, as he's been known to first in the league in punt return uh, average, you're just getting that double up there in a really, really unorthodox way. And your opponents watching that live score won't even understand what hit them. Nice that. Any opportunity to double up, we like that here on the Fantasy Freestyle. I got to tell you, Rox, I like both of these teams. I think whoever wins this game will be a very live underdog against what is likely going to be the New England Patriots in the AFC title game. Let's go to the last game of the weekend where the Green Bay Packers and MVP candidate Aaron Rodgers telling everybody to R-E-L-A-X. He got it done. They continue to run the table as he predicted. But they go down to Dallas, and Dallas has the home team. They are four-and-a-half-point favorites. 52 is the total. This, again, is a rematch of a game that took place in Week 6 in Green Bay where the Dallas Cowboys beat the Packers 30-16. to This was before Aaron Rodgers got on his hot streak. I think Eddie Lacy may have even been the running back for the Packers in this one. Here's something I want to tell you. Rocks, you know how I like to fade the public? You're faded in public? What? Yeah, I'm sometimes faded in public, but I also like to fade the public. And I'm going to give them a little bonus pick right here. The public, 67% of the public, is taking the over in this game. The over-under is 52. I'm on the under in this game, and here's why. I don't know if you know, Rock, but the uh, Cowboys and the Packers are number three and four in the NFL in time of possession. And I think that's going to be very interesting in this game. I think if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you want to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands as much as possible. And that means Ezekiel Elliott. And at 8,500 on FanDuel, I am saying do whatever you have to do to get Zeke in your lineup against these Green Bay Packers. Listen, in week six going into that game, 
The Green Bay Packers had the number one run defense in the NFL. All Zeke did was get 28 carries for 157 yards against this defense. I think he can do it again. I uh, I also think this is the way Dallas is going to try to play to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. I love Zeke Elliott this week, um, and I think even at 8,500, he's a good value. Yeah, man, and that's uh, honestly part of the reason I went with Deion Lewis in a number of lineups was to save money to spend up on Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I will also say Aaron Rodgers, he's expensive this week, 8,800 top quarterback on the board. Even without Jordy Nelson, I think that he could have a transcendent performance, another one of those 350 yards, three-score performances to help you win your week. I really like him this week. It's almost nice to have Jordy out of the way. So you have some cheaper uh, options. Sure. You know, Jordy is still 8,100 on FanDuel. They haven't uh, they haven't, they haven't made the, the switch this week. But you look at Devontae Adams for 7,400. You look at Randall Cobb, 6,500. And then you scroll all the way down. You see Geronimo! You gotta go all the way down and yell, Geronimo! 5,300 for 5,300. I think all three of those guys make for interesting plays. My preferred play is Devontae Adams. I don't want to go to Randall Cobb I feel a lot of people will be on him this week. They're chasing points, and he's disappeared basically for the entire season. I'm not convinced he's all the way back. Another player, you highlighted speeds where I'm going away from Kelsey. I am looking towards Jared Cook. 400. Jared Cook has really shown a connection with Aaron Rodgers. No doubt. I agree. I like Jared Cook. I like that play. You might see him in my lineups as well at 5,400, especially, you know, with no Jordy Nelson. There's going to be a growing share of the targets and the opportunities. Speaking of tight ends, Rocks, when we come back, we're going to dive into tight ends. We're going to talk about in the season long, which tight ends helped you win your league, which tight ends really are on teams that got that good game flow, and which tight ends did you draft early because you thought they were going to be studs, and they turned out to be fugazis. Forget about it, yo. Rocks and Speeds dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. I would rather play with 10 people and just get penalized all the way until we got to do something else rather than play with 11 when I know that right now that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. And we are back. You know what it is. Rocks and speeds dropping stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Check it out, though. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Freestyle. Leave off the last E because we don't make no errors. You could also catch this, whether it be live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network on a Saturday. You could also get us on that iTunes, on that Audio Boom, on that Stitcher, on that Google Play. Or you can download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. This way you get all the free content on the station, all these experts giving you what you need to, uh, you know, make 2017 prosperous. Has it been prosperous for you so far, Rox? Yeah, it's, it's been fairly prosperous. Uh, you know, you win a little, lose a little. Uh, you know, 
get a couple diamonds, avoid a few fugazis. You know how we do it on the Fantasy Freestyle? Absolutely. It was prosperous for you because you also edged me out. We actually finished 1-2 in our, our first ever Fantasy Freestyle DFS contest. It was All Rocks. Chronicle. It was Rocks that took it home. Rocks with a slight victory over your boy Speeds, the spitting statistician. But let's dive into our flagship segment here, Rocks. Uh, you know, we've been going position by position, almost like it was the baseball podcast. Last week, we talked about running backs for the season. Let's uh, let's shine a light on those tight ends right now. Hey, Rocks, I know you want to start positive. For the season, what tight ends turned out to be diamonds for you? Uh, the first one I got a spotlight is Jimmy Graham. I call him the reverend after the great reverend Billy Graham. Jimmy Graham was a forgotten man. He was coming off a patella injury, one that players have struggled to come back from at all, let alone make an impact. And what was even more damning is he wasn't really that involved in that Seattle offense in 2015 when he was healthy. Right. No one. No one thought he would be in uniform to open the season. And if he was, he would be a shell of himself until maybe around midseason. And even then, the Seattle offense is not known for their huge explosive plays or really featuring the tight end. He was basically a fool's play. Someone the sucker money, the easy money in your league was going to draft way too early just because they recognized the name from all those good times in New Orleans. Instead, he proved a lot of people wrong. He played all 16 games, finished as the tight end four overall. He faded during the stretch, but 65 catches, 925 yards, and six touchdowns on only 95 targets is ridiculously efficient. Among all tight ends with 80 or more targets, only him and Kelsey even came close to averaging 10 yards per target, which is a great, great, great mark. In fact, he was actually more efficient on a per-target basis than any season previously, including that time in New Orleans. And his 58 yards per game were more than his last season in New Orleans. I expect Seattle to continue to be a balanced offense, particularly if they can clean their lineup. However, I think Jimmy Graham has nowhere to go but up in the 2017 season, particularly his ability to improve upon those six touchdowns as a red zone threat. For me, that's why he was a diamond in the rough this season and one I was glad as a big Saints fan to see him back healthy. I would have loved to see him spike one over the goalpost, but he looked damn good this season. Hey, Rox, I know you love tight ends, so let's focus on them some more. You got a second one for me, diamond for the season? I do. Uh, drafted in the second round at a Notre Dame in 2011, Kyle Rudolph was a guy who a lot of people thought was going to make some noise in this league. Back then, he had guys like Christian Ponder throwing him the ball. Other than a nine-touchdown season, he could have largely been considered a bit of a disappointment. Coming into this season, no one saw him as anything more than one of those guys who was kind of a low-end, tight-end one, fringe, tight-end right. two option. Instead, he finished behind only only Travis Kelsey as a tight end number two in the league. And the reason for that was Teddy Bridgewater blowing out his knee and Sam Bradford coming over in a trade. They had a terrible offensive line, not dissimilar to the situation in Seattle. Therefore, all Sam Bradford had time to do was throw it as soon as possible. And 
Kyle Rudolph profited from that more than any other player. He led all tight ends in targets. He scored seven touchdowns, and he also had 840 yards. He didn't see much downfield, but that, like I said, wound up helping him. You know what also helped? Losing Adrian Peterson and not being able to get anything consistently going in the run game. Rudolph, I think, was one of the biggest surprises in this year, and if you happen to draft him late as maybe a backup tight end, you really, really got lucky. You found a diamond in the rough, and he may have even won you some cash this year. Absolutely. Our diamonds in the rough, those are the guys that'll help you win those leagues and win that cash. I mean, obviously, Kyle Rudolph probably went undrafted. He was in that gushy tier uh, where we had a lot of tight ends that were we thought were interchangeable, but in fact, Kyle Rudolph rose to the cream of the crop. My diamond rocks? I, uh, you know, you probably would not have even known who this guy was coming into the season, but he finished tight end seven. And here on Fantasy Freestyle, you know how I love to say Jim Bob Cooter. I also want to shout out the Harvard man, Cameron Brait. He was tight end seven, 57 catches, 660 yards, and eight touchdowns. I think the future is bright for this guy because I think he is really on the same page with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston looks to this guy in the end zone. He knows that Mike Evans is going to be double covered all the time, that defenses are turning their attention to him, and Cameron Brait has become that second option. I actually think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a team on the rise. Watch for them to make the playoffs next year, and I think Cameron Brait can continue his his rise to the top with with that chemistry with Jameis Winston. So I like Cameron Brait as a diamond in the rough. Look out for him next year. Rox, the next place we go are our game flow geniuses. And it's interesting. What game flow really supports a tight end? You tell me. Who's your game flow genius at tight end for 2016? Well, a game flow that supports a tight end is a quarterback that's thrown the ball more than 670 times. Sure. I am talking about the Ravens offense, and I'm talking about Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta came back from fracturing his hip twice, two seasons in a row. Only your old grandma down in Florida has had more hip trouble than Dennis Pitta. And Dennis Dennis Pitta doesn't have a life alert blazer last time I checked, does he? Uh, I don't know, man. It's a strange time. Does Joe Flacco elite? Does Dennis Pitta have a life alert bracelet? We got to ask these questions down in Baltimore. What I will say, though, I was shocked he was even able to play. He wound up seeing 121 targets, third of all tight ends, and that is not how they planned it. That's not Ravens football. However, Mark Tressman's complete failure to establish the running game, to stick with the running game, even when it was working, was in Dennis Pitta's favor. It was an unbalanced attack and other than Steve Smith, there was no real wide receiver threat to take those targets. Therefore, he led all tight ends and receptions, finished with 86 catches for 730 yards and two scores. That was the tight end eight. Again, this was a guy maybe three or four years ago, you may have been drafting him and actually expecting TE1 production, but I want to hear from someone that drafted Dennis Pitta going into this season and actually thought he would produce. That's why for me, that unbalanced Ravens attack, all those passing attempts from Joe Flacco, all those targets made Dennis Pitta a game flow genius. I like Who that. You got. I like that one as well, Rox. Remember, um, 
Joe Flacco and Dennis Pitta like went on vacation together. They were boys, so they had that chemistry. I personally had Dennis Pitta on a fantasy team or two. I had him as a fill-in after Zach Ertz got hurt, and Dennis Pitta was holding it down. I will say this. I caution you. Um, he really helps you a lot more if you're in a PPR league. He's one of those guys that gets like, you know, six yards a catch. So if you could get those receptions, like you mentioned, he really led the league in receptions among tight ends over there. So, um, you know, that's where you get helped out. My game flow genius at tight end, I'm going to go out to San Diego and Hunter Henry. Okay, Hunter Henry was tight end 19, but Phillip Rivers loves this guy, loves this target, and he likes him in the red zone also, I believe. Listen, I'm glad that Antonio Gates got that touchdown record or tied it at least, but it looks to me like Antonio Gates is on his way out. They're saying he's going to come back. I don't think he's going to be that productive. I think they are going to be looking for Hunter Henry to be the main guy. And you know Phillip Rivers, whether they're in Los Angeles or San Diego, they are going to throw the ball. Phillip Rivers has no problem putting it up and trusting his pass catchers to go get it. And there were a couple times I saw Hunter Henry make elite plays out of the tight end position. I think Hunter Henry, especially with a continuing declining Antonio Gates, I like Hunter Henry to take a step and get into the top 10 at tight end next year. That's why Hunter Henry is my game flow genius out there for the San Diego or maybe LA Superchargers. Uh, Rocks. We got to, unfortunately, end the show on a bad note. Who are these people they got to forget about? People who might have looked real shiny, but when you looked a little deeper, you realized you should not have wasted that draft pick on them because they, in fact, were Fugazi. That's a Fugazi? How do you know it's a Fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. It's a fake. But yeah, I know what a Fugazi is. One thing I just really want to say incredibly quickly, Speed's breaking news. It's looking like Hunter Henry is going to be catching passes next year in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Chargers making the move up north, likely. We think that windup is going San to Diego, happen. San Diego apparently became unbearable as we were recording this. That's right. You never know what can happen in the, like, you know, in the time when we record. We are recording on Wednesday. By the time you hear this, you will probably have already heard those news. Hunter Henry, I don't care where he is. I think he's going to be catching passes for Phillip Rivers next year. I think he's my game flow genius at tight end. Where are we going? They were. Fugazi, uh, my Fugazi, uh, and this was something that I saw coming a million miles away. I thought it was a terrible signing at the time. Kobe Fleener. Mm. Kobe Fleener got a lot of money to come in and be a huge weapon in New Orleans Saints offense. I thought at the very least he would be decent in fantasy. He was always a guy who never really struck me as a playmaker when he was in Indianapolis. However, every once in a while, just due to the sheer trust, Aaron... Uh, to the sheer trust Andrew Luck had in him from their Stanford days, right. he would get looks, he would be open in the end zone, so he made it work. However, most people were projecting him anywhere from, let's let's call it TE4 to TE6. They said Breeze would ele- elevate the game further, he throws to the open man, it's explosive offense. The reports from the offseason, this was something you should have been paying attention to. He was having some trouble with the playbook. As a Stanford guy, I don't understand why, but Drew Brees wasn't on the same page with him. He still had kind of a lot to learn. A lot of people ignored that and said, oh, yep. it's just, you know, it's, it's silly season. They've got to they've got to figure something out to write about. However, 
All that led to this season was misconnections, drops, deflections, the wrong routes. Some of the worst plays of the Saints' entire season were passes that were intended for Kobe Fleener. He was basically the lone blemish on the number one overall offense. He was held under 50 yards in 12 of 16 games. He had three or fewer catches in 11 of 16 games. He wound up as the tight end 15, and he would have been even lower if Josh Hill did not get hurt because he was in the midst of getting phased out of that offense. He was a complete full gazy. He fell fat, flat on his face. And if you reached in an early round to draft him, oh man, forget about it. Your team was not looking great at the tight end position. And hopefully you got one of those guys like a Cameron Braid or, uh, you know, or maybe a, a, a Kyle Rudolph and made that pick up early and forgot about Fleener and did not let him drag your season down. No Fugazi. doubt. Forget hey, about him. We're going to forget about Kobe Fleener. You're right. His uh, totals would have been better maybe with Josh Hill as well. But his totals also would have been worse if he didn't get a jet sweep running touchdown earlier in the season. That is something you did not expect out of the tight end position. Yeah, I thought he would at least be able to put up Ben Watson numbers out there in New Orleans. Drew Brees loves the tight end, but not as much. We go to my Fugazi Rocks and listen, you know. You know my show on uh, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Shot Callers. This was a shot I called. I said this um, early in the season. I said I do not like Rob Gronkowski this year. Everybody was talking how he was a top, you know, first-round pick in PPR league, maybe even a top eight pick. I was fading Gronkowski, and here's why. Go check the tape. I said that Gronk always gets hurt and that I was not going to count on Gronk for 16 games. And I thought he would, uh, you know, break your heart in the playoffs. And what happened? It turns out that's exactly what happened. You maybe got some production for him here and there, but he was not dependable. And as they tried to go to that two tight end offense in New England, it did not work out for Gronk. Gronk finished the season tight end 26 rocks, only scoring three more points than Giants tight end Will Ty. Gronk scored 10 less points than the second best Houston Texans tight end Ryan Griffin. He was not a value. If you went all the way to uh, the first round pick to buy yourself some Gronk, you did not win your league. But you should listen to speeds, listen to rocks, because I was telling you, fade that. I also told you to fade Jordan Reed. He missed games as well. That's why those guys are Fugazi. Forget about him. Next week, Rock, we're going to come back. Maybe we'll give him our quarterback awards for the season in terms of our quarterback diamonds and Fugazis for the season. I know there'll be a lot of stuff to talk about there. Divisional weekend. Best weekend in football, Rocks. Uh, are you excited? You feeling good? You think we're going to get actually uh, high-quality games this week? You know, uh, uh, the only thing that I'm really excited about is if, for some reason, Houston is able to pull off that unlikely upset right. against New England. Are people going to be talking about Bill Belichick sleeping on a boat, sleeping on a ferry in New England? Was that a distraction, Speeds? Uh, I want to know. It Where might be. Apparently, he was on a boat as well. Apparently, you go on a boat, maybe you lose. We'll find out. When you're hearing this... Uh, we'll know next week we'll be talking about championship Sunday we will be down to the final four we'll still be able to put together a little DFS lineup for you and we'll be able to preview the championship games we'll see if Atlanta does cover the four and a half like Speed says or will Rocks continue his streak of gentlemen's bets all that and more next week on the Fantasy Freestyle Rocks and Speed's holding you down dropping stats over beats it's the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network say goodbye to the people Rocks
Enjoy the games, y'all. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back next week hitting you in the head again. Peace. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs>